On today's show, I have in the studio Pastor Richard Love, born in Bristol, Tennessee, where the state line ran right down the middle of Main Street. One side was Tennessee, the other side was Virginia. Pastor Richard is a second-generation pastor. He accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior at a young age of eight at his father's Presbyterian church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. By the age of nine, he knew that he was called into ministry and he started preaching at 13 years old. Went to the University of Manchester in England for his doctorate degree. His first church as pastor was in Chattanooga, Tennessee, then Knoxville. He once was the assistant editor of Christianity Today magazine. He wound up in San Antonio, Texas, where he was a member of Jack Taylor's church. Later on, he found himself doing counseling in Daytona Beach with a ministry called Creation Ministries. Then he did some radio work and he was a hospice chaplain. During this time of his life, he was diagnosed with melanoma cancer and not expected to live much longer. Now stay tuned for a more in-depth conversation with Pastor Richard Love. Welcome to the Millennium Beat Podcast, where we like to encourage the world one story at a time. Now get ready to hear stories from around the world that encourage and uplift you. Now to the show with your host, Kevin James. Hey everybody, this is Kevin James, and as I said in the introduction, you are listening to the Millennium Beat. I have the pleasure of sitting across from me today in our studio, Pastor Rich Love. Pastor Rich, thank you for joining us. Good to be here. That's good. I am glad that you are here. I am excited to hear your story and what went on in your life. You said you're 81 years young. Yes. So uh, <laughs> we got to have 81. So guys, listen up. Make sure you get enough drink. Go to the bathroom. Uh, sit down because this could be a nice long conversation, but it's going to be a good one. <laughs> All right, Pastor Rich, let's start off with where you came from, like where you were born, and, and then we'll go from there on your story. Okay. I was born in Bristol, Tennessee. Oh. I, I always claim Tennessee. There's a orange T on my car, <laughs> although my birth certificate reads Virginia because uh, – the, the state line runs right down the middle of Main Street. Oh, wow. And I was born so long ago that the only hospital in Bristol was on the Virginia side. So okay. I'm kind of Tennessee, Virginia. Okay, that's different. I've seen it in TV shows, that, that line going right. down the middle of the street. <laughs> you, know, you can live in one state and work in another. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and then I, uh, most of my growing up years were down in Fort Lauderdale. Okay. So I'm a... Half Tennessean, half Floridian. Uh-huh. And, uh, now, I have to ask you this question because I'm partial to a certain state. I want to hear which one you are. Which one would you like? Which one do you like better, I guess, or more? I, I, I love them both, but I'm a Tennessee guy. Yeah, that's good. I like that because <laughs> I'm the only one that, you know, most people retire and they move to Florida. I am going to retire and move to Tennessee. I'm, I'm especially a Tennessee guy during football season. Ah. So we just lost half of our audience. You know? <laughs> and what's that team in Tennessee? Tennessee Volunteers. Oh, okay. I'm not familiar with that. Well. I'm not much into sports. So. Okay, well. Unless you're a New England Patriots fan, then I know them because I, I used to work up there and I got to see a lot of football games. I hear you. Red Sox I hear game, you. <laughs> so. Down here, I don't have anything to do with busing or anything like that. So uh, I haven't really gotten into sports here. Not and then the funny thing is here in the state of Florida, um, they're more into college ball than pro ball. Oh, yeah. You know, it, oh, yeah. It, it's it's Florida State or, uh, uh, you know, Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, us up there was New England Patriots, Miami. It was Miami Dolphins, um, mm-hmm. Philadelphia Eagles. Yep. It wasn't Boston College or MIT or anything like that. 
Well, I can assure you that most everybody down here in this area doesn't really have much use for Tennessee. So, <laughs> <laughs> The other big one is Alabama, Clemson. Clemson? Yes. Yeah. Oh, or is that South Carolina? Uh, Clemson's in South Carolina. South Carolina. But yeah. it's Alabama is Crimson Tide. Yeah. 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 So I'll, I'm hopefully turn, not turning off all my football listeners. <laughs> uh, again, I, I, I didn't really even play sports in school. I did soccer for two years in junior high and two years in high school. So I did about four years of soccer. All right. But I never really got into football. My brother did. So, but all right, continue with your story. <laughs> well, you know, one of the best ways I think to start is for me just to share. Okay. Two life verses. Okay. And they really kind of summarize a lot that God has done in my life through the years. Okay. The first one is in Second Chronicles 16.9. It's a very familiar verse, but it, it says this, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of the one whose heart is fully committed to him. Right. And the other verse is this, and I've had to hang on to this one so many times in my life. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perform it, complete it, yep, complete until the day of Jesus Christ. That's a good verse. Well, and, and they kind of summarize my story in a way. Okay. I was born into a Christian home. Mm-hmm. My dad was a pastor. Uh-huh. And... Uh, and my mom was a, a very godly woman. So does that make you second pa- pastor? Like your grandfather was not a pastor? No. Okay, so you're a second generation pastor. I am, and I have one son who's a pastor So he's now, third so. generation. <clears throat> yeah, right. So, uh, you know, that I, I, from the day, day one, I heard about Jesus and uh, practically lived at the church, as many preacher's kids do. You're right. And uh, I remember the night very well. My dad was pastoring at that time in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Okay. Been there? Um, at Westminster Presbyterian Church. Dad was a very evangelical Presbyterian. Mm-hmm. And uh, he preached the gospel that night, and the Spirit of God touched my heart, and I committed my life to Christ. Now, you might have said night. this, but I, I didn't remember. What? How old were you then? I was eight years old. Eight years old, okay. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was very real. Mm-hmm. My life really really changed very shortly after that okay was when my dad moved to fort lauderdale the family moved to fort lauderdale florida uh where he became a pastor of a of a presbyterian church there and that's the church i grew up in mm-hmm. and i was extremely blessed to mm-hmm. be in that church uh well <clears throat> let me ask you this question um, about i'm not really familiar i don't think about presbyterians i do know baptists and i do you know, Pentecostals. Tell me a little bit about the life of a um, Presbyterian. Um, Presbyterian, it's a, it covers a pretty broad spectrum. Does it? Okay. Um, but this was back in the day when you, Presbyterians were, were very much uh, committed to the authority of scripture. Okay. Things have changed. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm not a Presbyterian now, right? But there are branches of Presbyterian Church that are still very faithful to the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a little bit different from Baptist in that uh, they have Presbyterians baptized. I was baptized as an infant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't call that baptism now. I'd right. rather look at it as a dedication. Right. Later on, I was 
baptized in what I believe the biblical way is immersion. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, it, as I wanted to be obedient to the Lord, the Lord began to teach me mm-hmm. these things. And so there were some changes that took right. place along the way. But my dad preached the gospel. We had hundreds and hundreds of people saved in our church. In fact, we had a very active youth group. Oh, wow. Cool. And uh, we we went out every Sunday afternoon to jails and rest. I started preaching when I was 13 years old wow. in the jails and in the rest homes. And uh, Now, what made you do that? I'm just giving that thought. Was it like a, a thought in your head, like God saying, calling you, okay, pulling you into more to follow almost your father's footsteps? Or was it just, I don't know. At age nine. At age nine, nine, I knew that I had been called to the ministry. And so that was my, that was the focus of my life from then on in in education and in everything else. I knew that that's what God had called me to do. And so it was wonderful to have the experience of being able to do, to preach. And we, our youth group was very large. Uh, We had a, we had a radio broadcast, and we had Saturday night Youth for Christ rallies. We were really, in fact, you know, it was a funny thing. My youngest son, who's now a pastor, I remember one day in, when he was in junior high, he asked me a question one day. He said, Dad, did you try pot? Ever try pot? And I said, when I was your age, there wasn't any pot around. I said, the only, the, the wildest thing guys did was to drink beer. And I said, uh, I didn't do that. I said, in fact, I didn't do a lot of things, not because I was so good, but because all of my friends, the kids that I really ran with, we didn't withdraw from others. In fact, we shared Christ with others. But I said, it was, I realized as he asked me that question, how important it was for me as a young person to have that support system, not only in my home, but my friends all loved the Lord, and uh, we, it was just a great experience. Many of them wound up on the mission field and the ministry, so I was so blessed to to be able to to be in a church like that. Then as I graduated from high school, I, uh, because I knew what the call of my life was, I went to Bible College for two years, Columbia Bible College. It's now called uh, Columbia University. It's in uh, in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. That's where I thought you were going to say Columbia, South Carolina. Right. And then the last two years, see, uh, here again, I was going to be a Presbyterian pastor. So you have to have a liberal arts degree, and, oh. and the Bible College didn't offer it, so I transferred to Wheaton College and uh, in Wheaton, Illinois. And our most famous alumnus, of course, was Billy Graham. But, right. But... Uh, I went to Wheaton and, and received my, my degree there that I needed. Then I went to Columbia Theological Seminary in Decatur, Georgia, which is a Presbyterian seminary. I'm really into this Columbia right. thing. Right, yeah. And uh, at, the, at the end of that time, somebody asked me one day, uh, I had done well academically, and, and somebody asked me one day and said, uh, are you going to go on for your doctorate? And I said, no. I'm, I'm sick and tired of school. <laughs> it had been seven years since high school. So uh, that night, it was funny. It was like the Lord. It's one of those deals, you know, sometimes uh, God, I don't think, has ever spoken out loud to me. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's so clear that it might as well be out loud. Right. 
And the Lord said, be kind of nice if you ask me about that. And I, you know, I'm like, oh boy. So I did. I said, Lord, I'm willing if you want me to go on for further study. And uh, the next day, literally, I received a substantial check in the mail from somebody I did not personally know. My dad knew him, mm-hmm. but I did not know them. And it said down at the bottom, use for further study. Mm. So all of that being said, I wound up <laughs> at the University of Manchester in England. Wow, England. And uh, I had wanted to very much to go there because uh, in, in their system, uh, when you're when you're doing a, a doctoral degree, you don't go to a whole lot of classes. You just work with your professor, mm. and then you write a thesis, and 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 you work with other students who are doing a, a doctoral program. Well, there was a professor. I had read his books. He was a just a, a godly man. I knew that from his writing. A man by the name of F. F. Bruce, written many commentaries and other books, and I wanted so much to study under him and God opened that door in an incredible way. So I wound up there and for two years kind of holed up and did nothing but study (laughs) and uh, wound up uh, getting my doctoral degree there at the University of Manchester. And then I came back and and finally um, became a pastor. In, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, of all places. Okay. To, that was my, where my first church was. And uh, I, you know, it, it was, I look back and I, I don't know how it happened. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. It just did. It did, and God provided the funds that were necessary. And, and I'm really glad. You know, it, it's funny. When I got my doctor's degree, <clears throat> my dad congratulated me but he said now that you've got it forget that you have it <laughs> because i'm not impressed with it i'm thankful for it right but and god has used it to open some doors that would not otherwise have opened because sometimes people are impressed right and so you know it's wonderful to have that and 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 see how how god has used it through and the the privilege of studying under this man of God for two solid years uh, and really doing nothing else was, uh, well, it, it had a, a lasting impact on my life, obviously, and, and, and my love for the Lord mm-hmm. and for the Word particularly. Right. Now, you were saying in Chattanooga, you was your first pastoral job. Yes. How long were you there for? I was there for just two years. Oh, just two years. And then I... Uh, became pastor of another church in Knoxville, Tennessee. Knoxville. Okay, with that and, too. And I was there for four years. Okay, and then uh, let's back up before. Yeah. What really led you to leave um, the first church? It's your first church. You were there for two years. Uh, I'm assuming you left on your own accord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is a good thing. Yeah. I just think, I'm going to ask this question. Oh, I was fired. No, I, I knew that you, you probably were left on your own accord. But what, did you go right from that first church to the second church or was there a gap or anything? Like no, that? there was no, no gap. gap. I, so, no, so you went from one city to another and you went from one church for two years and then four years at the next church. Right. Okay. And uh, I, I did that simply 
I didn't really go seeking another place, but mm-hmm. they, here again in the Presbyterian Church, they uh, they call you, you know, to become a pa- their pastor. Okay. And uh, so a group from the Knoxville Church came to my church, and, and uh, I didn't even know who they were. Mm-hmm. And then later on, you know, they... Uh, had, had said they would like for me to, and and it was a it was a terrific opportunity. Okay. I had a lot of opportunity there to work with students at the University of Tennessee through Campus Crusade. Okay, and uh, it just I just had peace that this mm-hmm. was this was the next step. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You sometimes wonder, you know, pastors in each church or each denomination is a little different. You know, I'm Assembly of Gods. I'm familiar with a little bit, you know, non-denominational churches. I'm more familiar with non-denominationals, and usually they start up a church, and they're the pastor until they get old enough, and they say, I'm done, and their son takes over, or somebody else yeah, does. Yeah. Some churches, they appoint their pastors, and mm-hmm. like the Methodist is a yep. little different, and they can they can take you from one location and put you in another. So it's it's interesting learning different cultures of different denominations of how they do things. Oh, it is. And, and I've had a taste of a little bit of all of it. <laughs> <laughs> like a buffet of, of pastors, uh, jobs. Because the, you know, the last two churches that I pastored uh, were non-denominational. Okay. And uh, so the, the way that shift happened, now this is one of the, one of the reasons I said the, that the verse in Philippians is really uh, meant a lot to me in my life. Uh, well, let me let me go back just a minute. But right. prior to that, from the I was at the church in uh, in Knoxville for four years, and then I had the opportunity to become the assistant editor of Christianity Today magazine, which was at that time published in Washington D.C. Uh, Christianity Today was a uh, begun as a Billy Graham was one of the, the founders. Okay. I know what magazine you're talking about. No. Okay. Uh, it's changed through yeah. the years. Yeah, I, uh, but when I was there, it was a very, it was very different than it is right now. Uh, but uh, at that time, another, another thing that happened during, during my years in, in college, my dad became an associate evangelist with the Billy Graham crusade. And so I had an opportunity to work, you know, in, in a number of the crusades and all while I was a, a student. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, what a great experience to, I had the opportunity to, to meet, gosh, some wonderful people. Right. And, uh, and then, and of course, it was a blessing to get to know Billy and his family and all. Well, it was Billy's father-in-law was on the board at Christianity Today magazine. Okay. And so there were there were kind of connections there, but I also had a connection with his father-in-law through the my time in the Presbyterian Church. He was a Presbyterian, as was Billy's wife, Ruth. So all these things, you know, it's just as I look back, I am overwhelmed at how many people I have had the opportunity, just some of God's chosen servants through the years that have touched my life and influenced my life. And you can just, looking back, see how God has 
mm-hmm. has used them and has orchestrated the thing, sometimes in spite of my own <laughs> disobedience and my own failures, which kind of leads me to the another part in the story. Okay. After the, the time at, at Through Christianity Day magazine, um, I have been through divorce. And that was like a, an atom bomb going off in the midst of every everything I had ever planned and, and right. dreamt of. Um, and, and it was a it was a chaotic time in my life. Um, I was angry. Uh, I I was I'm sure I was angry with God in some ways, but I really very angry with Christians. I went a whole year of my life. I would not darken the door of a church. And uh, it it was, you know, I'd love to say that, that my life has just been, you know. Perfect, you know, from but, day one. But you see, what what sometimes happens is that I, for a while there, I was on the, I was on the way up. You know, I was the, I got, I went to the right schools, got the right degrees, knew the right people. I mean, all the people I met at Christianity Today magazine and then right. my dad's association, I knew the right people. And I was this bright evangelical star on the way up. And uh, that all, came that all came to an end. Yep. And and there was, like I said, there were some very, very dark times, but I will never forget. Uh, one day I was in my car on the interstate in Tennessee, and all of a sudden it was like there was somebody in the car. It was so, it was real. Right. And God said to me, son, what have I ever done to you? except die for you. I had to pull off the interstate. I mean, I just, I broke. And that became a, a, a real turning point in my life. And I, you know, repented of my bitterness, my anger, my attitude. I, I had some work to do to get through it, too. Right. But uh, that, was, that was the beginning. And then, interestingly enough, it was shortly after that that I wound up out in San Antonio, Texas, which is when I was a member at Jack Taylor's church. Okay. And needless to say, Jack became such an influence and, and mentor in my life as my pastor. And uh, it, 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 was a, it, was, it was just a great time. And it was out there that I received a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now, I would have, as before that happened, I would have argued that there wasn't any such thing. Right. You know, that you got the Holy Spirit when you got Jesus, and and, and you do. Right. And, uh, but I want to tell you, the the change in in, in me and in my life that took place then was, uh, I mean, that was the beginning. I, I often look back, and I think, I don't know that that ever would have happened mm. if all this other stuff hadn't happened. Right. And that's where 
this verse in Philippians, I think is so important because in my time of bitterness, I was determined I was going to get out of the church, get out of the pastorate, and I was going to make some money. And uh, I, I had some opportunities, and it just wouldn't happen. It, it didn't happen. You see, God had a plan in mind for my life, and he said, I've started a work, and you're botching it up. So to me, that verse is a, is a great comfort to know that God will complete the work, but it also is kind of frightening because when and if you decide you're going to go your own way and you're going to come up with plan B and go that way, God says, no, you're not. Right. It isn't going to work for you. And, you know, I look back and over my life and the times when I was walking closest with the Lord, and this is true from the very beginning up until now. Right. I mean, the deeper my fellowship with the Lord, the greater the level of peace and joy. The more I inject myself into the equation and my will into the equation, the, the worse it is. I mean, there's no peace, there's no joy. And, and that's, I think it's in that sense, too, that God is going to complete the work, whatever it takes. Right. And sometimes we force God to play hardball. Mm. And he does it because he loves us and, and because he's faithful. And so, you know, that time out there in, in Jack's church was just in, incredible. And then... That's about the time Jack and I left San, San Antonio about the same time. He left a little ahead of me, <laughs> and uh, I wound up coming back to, to Fort Lauderdale and uh, once again served on the—I was an associate pastor again at a—you ready for this one? Uh, talking about all those different things. Right. This was a, at a charismatic— Presbyterian Church. Okay. So Still uh, Presbyterian, but charismatic. Yeah. You know, now, which, Jack's church, I remember, is, was it? He was Southern Baptist. Southern Baptist, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and the way I wound up out there, it was really funny. Uh, I got hold of Jack's book, The Key to Triumphant Living, first book he wrote, which for years was the, became Broadman's bestseller. And the stuff that I read in that book, was stuff that my dad taught and, and a lot of guest speakers that, that came to our church. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Vance Havner, but Vance was a, a great man of God, and, and he'd come to our church once a year, and, and I got to chauffeur him around everywhere, you know, and we'd talk. and I, So I, I had heard these truths before, but, you know, here again, you can, you can hear truth, and it can become information, but it doesn't become life-changing until the Holy Spirit takes that truth and makes it become rhema, revelation inside of you. And that's basically how, how God used Jack's book in my life. Because all of a sudden, some of these things, as he very openly shared his experience, 
and his disillusionment as a pastor, you know, until he really came into relationship with, with, a, with the Holy Spirit. And it's a powerful book. If you've never read it, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great book. Well, I, I keep hearing the word activation, you know, when the Lord activates something. In your right. Yeah, yeah. With the Spirit, he activates, like a chemical reaction. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, and this is why, this is where the other life verse comes into play so much, mm-hmm. is that through ongoing years of ministry now, I have become increasingly convinced. You see, there was a time that if you and I were having a discussion, mm-hmm. and, and, and this is as a Bible believer, right? but I think a mistaken one at that point, I would have argued with you that the gifts of the Spirit ceased mm-hmm. in the book of Acts. And uh, I would, uh, I mean, it's so funny because now I would not anymore try to be involved in any kind of ministry without the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'd just as soon try to fly to the moon on my own because if the Spirit of God is not at work, right, then nothing's going to happen. I, I realize that, you know, when I, every time I stand up to preach, I can have a great sermon. Right. There can be a lot of truth. But if I'm not speaking under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and, a, and whoever is listening mm-hmm. is not having their ears, their spiritual ears and their spiritual eyes anointed by the Holy Spirit, they, there may be a transfer of information, mm-hmm. but there's not going to be a transformation in a life. Well, the picture that I see is like the Lord's thumb. The Holy Spirit is on it. That's the first thing I see. The second thing is if you're speaking just words, you're speaking just from the flesh. And That's you're right. Gonna, you're gonna, you, the ears, the the people sitting there are just going to be uh, entitled just to hear the fleshly stuff. Right. Where if you're speaking from the Spirit, they're going to hear the Spirit. And, yes. and you know scriptures quite well. What's the Lord say about the Spirit? And, and you know... Um, well, I don't know what exactly well, what you're referring well, to, but I about, mean, he, we know in part. Not that's not not not, not know in part. That's prophetically. Um, we, you know, the spirit is the. I don't know where I'm going. He's, with well, this. he says that the natural man receives not the things of God. Right. You know, and it's only by the Holy Spirit, even that we can call Jesus Lord. Right. And uh, it's a. Uh, you know, and so as I look back, even over the dark times in my life. I have to say that I'm thankful for them. And during that period of time, I I lost everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really did. I didn't. I didn't uh, everything I had ever feared losing, I lost. Right. And yet, you know, it was kind of weird. There's a there's a strange. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> I mean, I really don't. I keep saying, Lord, I want you. I want to give a testimony here, but I, let's don't do this again. I, I mean, it was awful. And yet, I can look you in the eye now and say, I thank God. Because you see, I don't think God can use us. I had all the, the credentials. Mm-hmm. But I think there was, a, there was an awful lot of self and an awful lot of pride and all that. Mm-hmm. God can't use us until he breaks us. Right. And until he makes us realize, as in says in that verse, it's 
the the Lord wants to show Himself strong through a heart mm-hmm. that is committed to Him, a heart that is right. It, and so many people don't understand even the Christian walk. I never get stronger. It's not about my getting stronger as I grow in the Lord. Growth in the Lord is a a recognition of my utter absolute dependence on the Lord. And and I most people I've known a few people in my life that I, I they came to know Christ and then they just were so compliant to the Lord. And I, I envy those people. I've made it hard on myself many times with my own flesh and my own bullheadedness. And God's gonna continue that breaking because he he can't fill us if we're not empty. Well, it seems like when we're moving with our head compared to moving with our heart, mm-hmm. the Lord has to do something about it. Right. Because we're analytical, you know. Well, and, and quite frankly, that has been a problem for me in my life because I, I have a good mind. Or at least I had it up until a few years ago. You'll have now, it to the end of your life. No, I had a good mind, and I did very well academically and all of that. But it's like so often I was so analytical, which brings me to a, another part of the story that I think is important. Uh, when I was in the church in Fort Lauderdale there, um, I had uh, – had the opportunity to become very close friends with a lady that was um, a, a well-known author, a Christian author, Catherine Marshall. And uh, through her, here again, God using people in our lives, mm-hmm. through her I came to know Jamie Buckingham. Uh, I know him. And Jamie, after you know my the years I had with my father, mm-hmm. it's like my other... The other mentors in my life were Jack Taylor and Jamie Buckingham. And, uh, in fact, I went on one of the Holy Land trips with Jamie, just with, there were just 12 of us guys. And uh, this was before they, Egypt took over the Sinai. So we got to go to the Red Sea, trace the route of the Exodus, and, and go up Mount Sinai. And although I, and I, I don't know, don't know what your theology is on this or even the people that are listening. I know there's not always full agreement, but I believe that when I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, there was available to me a prayer language. Okay. But I didn't receive it at that time. So some people would say, well, then you didn't get the baptism. Well, I know I did because <laughs> yeah. I know what it did in my life. and mm-hmm. But the funny thing was, I didn't want it. <laughs> I really didn't because of some of the people that had it oh. who would come up to me and say, you know, try to, and they, did, you, did you get it yet? Did you get it yet? You know, and somebody told me, you know, if you go to Houston, next time he has a meeting with Jimmy Swaggart there, you'll get it. And I'm like, I don't, you know, I didn't. Then I went through a period in my life where, okay, Lord, I'm open. If you just want to open my mouth someday and, and it happens. Then, when I was in the church in Fort Lauderdale, this is before I met Jamie, I got thrust into some deliverance ministry. 
And God, through that, gave me a great desire. I like, Lord, I want it. But, I here again, analytical. I, I, Lord, I'm so afraid that I'll just be doing it in my flesh. And the Lord said to me, Son, I wish you were dearly as concerned about your flesh in every other area of your <laughs> life as you are there. Uh, Literally. That's true. But, but, but anyway, uh, God was so gracious uh, on that trip to the Sinai. Uh, the day before we went up Mount Sinai, um, and, and here again, God supernaturally provided the way for me to be able to do that, the way that all came together. And I just knew I was supposed to be there and that it, that it was going to be important. I didn't know for what reason. I just but, knew. But I was uh, up on top of Mount Sinai. But before we went up, I said to Jamie, I said, Jamie, that still bothers me. The Bible says not everybody has every gift. So why would God give that gift to everybody? Why do I say it's available to anybody who's been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Jamie just said a couple of words that set me free. He said, because it's the only gift that is for self-edification, why would God not give it? And I'm like, whoa, that's cool. And uh, it was uh, on top of Mount Sinai. God uh, freed me up, and and I love that gift. Yeah. I, uh, funny I thing is about that. You're speaking about that gift. You know, people think of, you know, you're talking about people shaking you and, yeah. you know, going to a church service and coming forward. I know in my life, I can actually still see it in my head. I was on the um, cellar of my brother's house reading a book about the Spirit and, you know, being baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. And I can still see it right there. I can remember. I don't remember what day it was, what year it was, how old I was. But I remember it happening, mm-hmm. and from that point on, you know, it just well. It, so you don't have to have a group and setting. You can you can be sitting there reading a book, or just sitting in your room. You could be right now listening to this message, mm-hmm. and it could happen. I mean, you just well, absolutely. And uh, and I also realized that you know I was free to cooperate with mm-hmm. it. You know, I didn't. Well, there's part of it is he's not going to force you. So speaking in other tongues, you got to open up your mouth. Yeah. You know, you got to do something. It's not going to, he's not going to force you right. all of a sudden, like, like you're going to throw up these words. No. I mean, you have no. to do, no. you got to do your part. Right. You know? And I, I, I praise the Lord for it. And right. you know, one of the things that I do like to make clear is that I don't feel like I, because God has graciously given me that, that prayer language and I, I love to use it just to praise mm-hmm. when 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 I, my words aren't adequate right I, I i i i just i'm so thankful for it in so many ways but you know it's um and, and when i don't know how to pray about something god has not directed me with my understanding how to mm-hmm. pray but i know i'm praying in his will when i'm using that gift but the ironic thing is you're saying this, and you don't know this, but Pastor Charlie at Identity Church in Deltona, Florida, the last three messages 
one, two, and two and a half. I've been about speaking in tongues. Oh, really? And he talked about that and how, you know, we're not any better because we speak in tongues. That's it. And, you know, it's edifying. It's, it's, he's right now coaching everybody saying, Hey, we want to use, you want to use that language every day. You know, there's Mm -hmm. things in there that you don't know what to pray for, but the spirit does. So he's talking right now. The last three weeks, it's been talking about spirit and speaking in tongues. <laughs> so it's interesting that you're talking about that in his church and in the studio of his, at his church. That is. That's, uh, and well. I'm sure you haven't listened to his podcast um, because you have so much other things to do. But that is what he's been talking about. Well, that's fantastic. I just, uh, well, and and as I say, uh, you know, it. I look back and it was worth going through. Mm-hmm some of the things I went through right? Um, in, in order to, to see and experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit, right? to begin to operate in, in the gifts of the Spirit and, in, and including that gift. I fought it. Mm-hmm. and uh, That's because it was here, right? Well, yeah. In your head. Right. And, and I really didn't want to. You know, that's one of the things that sometimes I think hurts is that I believe there are definitely in some cases excesses and right. and all. I, I, and I think that people like where I was, that's what turns people like that off. It just, I don't, I don't want that. I don't need that. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, that can happen in a lot of other ways too, you know, when, right. when Christians, uh, react the way they do sometimes and when they fight with each other somebody who's not saved says why do i need that right you know i got trouble enough of my own yeah but i uh i know i know we don't have a whole lot of time left i just want to share another one other thing okay that uh i just cannot praise the lord enough for all right i uh uh, and uh, this is another story someday but anyway i i wound up pastoring a a non-denominational church in Macon, Georgia. Okay. And it was really through Jamie Buckingham that, that I was introduced to that church, and I was there for four years. And uh, I did get fired. <laughs> so, you know, you said that a while ago. It was a, quite an experience. But I, uh, and it uh, wasn't because of any uh, immoral behavior or anything like that, but what happened? God, God had given me a vision for that church, and and I had written it down. And I, well, I had, I had six elders that they said this vision is uh, too militant, and uh, this this isn't the way we want you to do it. We want you to do this, 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 and this. And it was a problem. It was a heart. It was a heartbreaker. I said, I can't. And they said to me, well, uh, then if you're not going to do it the way we tell you to, we uh, we want your resignation. I said, I can't really give you my resignation because I don't work for you. And there we were. And so they pulled out the original charter of that church, <laughs> the bylaws. And uh, they said, clean out your desk. So I did. And uh, there again, went through, it was kind of another another difficult period for a while. But God has been faithful in all this. And so I, I came down here to, to Florida 
Um, and I had the, I had the joy. Uh, one thing I'll always be thankful for is being able to to be with my um, my two sons as they were growing up. I was a single parent, and uh, the relationship that we were able to establish was just right. was precious uh, through the years. I wouldn't take anything for it. And I wound up uh, doing uh, counseling. I actually had a counseling ministry over in Daytona Beach for several years called New Creation Ministries. Okay. And uh, had a little radio program on WAPN over there. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's a Christian radio station. And, uh, and at the same time, was served a couple of different churches, mm-hmm. both in counseling and in teaching and preaching. So, right. And uh, then I, uh, the Lord opened the door for me. I was for five years, I was a hospice chaplain. And that was another whole set of circumstances and experience. But in that, the reason I'm bringing all that up is that in the midst of all that, um, I wound up with cancer, uh, with melanoma. And uh, God just, I was not supposed to live. Oh, wow. Uh, my oncologist told me that if he had put me in a room with 25 other oncologists, that uh, there's not a one of them that would have given me a chance. And how long ago was that? Well, now it was, uh, how long it's been... Uh, it's been right at 20 years ago now. I mean, so uh, so I'm here. And uh, it was interesting. It, it involved a surgery. And uh, they wanted to do chemo and radiation. And they described it to me. And I said, and why would I do that? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it sounded like torture to me. Right. And uh, You were I, in your 60s at that time, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. 60s. And I, um, I said, uh, yeah, it wasn't quite 20 years ago. I think it was 15, something like that now. But anyway, um, so I said, you know, the way you describe, I said, I, I'm sorry, but I said, I'm a quality of life guy. And I said, to to do that, by that time, you know, my sons were, were gone. I was living alone and serving as a hospice chaplain. And uh, I said it, uh, <laughs> no, it, uh, that just doesn't work for me. And right. I said, and I said, you know, besides, I said, I don't have a death wish, but I, uh, I've got a better deal cooking somewhere else. I am not afraid right. to die. And so I didn't do any of that. Okay. And it has not recurred. It has, uh, the, Doctor told me he said it's the largest massive melanoma I've seen in 25 years of practice. And uh, one day he said to me, he was a, I had known him through my contacts in, in mm-hmm. hospice, and uh, he's he's Jewish by ethnicity, doesn't really practice any. Right. So he used one day he told me he said I I don't even use this word, but he said if you want to use it, it's legitimate. You can use it. He said. Because if I've ever seen one, this is a miracle. <laughs> and, and then later he told me, he said, uh, 
whatever you do, I got some advice for you. He said, whatever you do, don't change your religion. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, well, I don't plan to. And I said, besides that, I said, you know, my religion is all about a Jewish carpenter. I wish you'd just join me. <laughs> and I, but I do, I just do want to give glory to the Lord for that because he's, he's given me, it was after that, that while I was at, at the hospice that I met my present wife, her, her husband had been the founding pastor at Cornerstone Church here in Deltona. Okay. He had passed away. And then her son, Kevin Key, <laughs> Kevin, another Kevin, uh, had, had taken over as the, as the pastor. And I was over there at that church for a, a hospice mm-hmm. seminar kind of thing. Didn't even meet her that night. But anyway, one thing led to another. We met, and we married, and um, God has given me 10 years there at Cornerstone as uh, serving as my stepson's associate pastor. Oh, wow. And it's been a, you know, it's been a, a wonderful time, wonderful years that we've had there. And, and, uh, and God, we've seen a lot of, a lot of people come to know the Lord. I was able to do a lot. Of, I'm a teacher. That's my right. gift. And I, I uh, really got to do a lot of teaching and enjoyed the ministry there. And, and so here again, God has been faithful the whole mm-hmm. way. And through it all, right. as I've learned that my flesh has not improved. Right. It doesn't get any better. The only way we can operate is for the flesh well, isn't, to die. You, that's what I was going to say. thinking, if dead flesh doesn't keep growing. Yes, that's it. <laughs> it, it should decay and fall apart. Yeah. So if your flesh is alive then it will grow, but you don't That's want right. it to grow. That's right. So it's uh, so. so why don't we do this? I mean, your story so far, and I'm sure there's a lot of it, and we'll have you back to talk a little bit more about some specific things in your in your life. But why don't we do this? Uh, unless you have really something else you really want to talk no, about. No, no, I just... Uh, okay. Because um, we're getting... You know, we're doing good for time, but um, let's... How I usually end, like the show is I have a, a habit of is having the guests whatever the Lord is leading right now on, if it, if it you know, could be a specific thing or just a generalized prayer, or maybe talk to somebody out there that is going through some hard time to encourage them to keep pressing on. Whatever the Lord is leading in your head, um, he, he's good about that kind of stuff. Yes. Sir. And then what we'll do is when we're, we're done, I'll close out and we'll just go from there. No, we'll go from there. So. Well, no, I, I would like to go back and okay. emphasize the, the particularly the the verse in Philippians mm-hmm. because uh, I'm sure there are people that I mean we're we're in difficult times right now yeah uh, you know it's um, I as a at my age I've said to my wife many times we have been blessed uh, to live our lives in the best slice mm. of time in the greatest country in the world. Right. And and we're losing it. And it, it's heartbreaking, it oh, seems yeah. like, in so many ways. And, and a lot of people are, with the, the pandemic and, and now with the, the riots and the riots and the division, and then the, the, the loss of the idea 
that there is objective truth hmm. that we can stake our lives on. And, and there's so much falsehood out there. There's so much deception all over this country. And, and many, I think many believers are going through a lot of heartbreak just, just seeing what's going on. I really believe that this can be the church's finest hour. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take an army of people who are filled with the Holy Spirit right. and who display in their lives and in their relationships with one another the, the fruit mm-hmm. of the Spirit. Uh, see, to me, the greatest manifestation that you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit is not that you talk in tongues. It's that you display, display the fruit of the Spirit. Okay. I've heard it said many times that the, you know, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is for power. Well, yes, uh, I've seen that power misused some. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, it, it, God baptizes us in the Holy Spirit to give us the power to submit to him and to walk in the fruit of the spirit and the and the fullness of the spirit one of the things that we really didn't talk about but uh, my contact with with jack particularly mm-hmm. in more recent years uh, it was through all some of those experiences that i began in my own study and in my own preaching mm-hmm. to i today's been a little more personal testimony right. but uh, God really began to show me things about the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God is still on the throne. Right. The kingdom of God is still intact. Mm-hmm. And I believe that God is very eager to demonstrate his kingdom, mm-hmm. both in our individual lives and through his church. Right. We're, we're not showing the world very much mm-hmm. that would attract them to Jesus. Not really. No. And and I believe the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong. And uh, I just want to encourage you, you know, if you're listening to this and, and you're going through a difficult time, don't give up because God has promised you that if he has begun a good work in you, he will complete it. But also be aware that he'll play hardball if he has to. So don't give up and go your own way. I will tell you it's not worth it. Uh, you stay in the Word. Stay with God's people. Find fellowship and, and be with be with God's people to encourage you and to walk with you. But God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And uh, I still, you know, at, at age 65, God took me from a situation of certain death, according to the medical community, and gave me more years because that purpose had not been completed. Well, and and I'm, nobody, I'm nobody special. He'll do it for everybody. That, right. And, uh, and I did it sometimes kicking and screaming, but, but God has been faithful. He's, he's so good. Yeah, he is, isn't he? Yes. All right. Let, let's just close a little bit with a – let's put a little blessing on the people that are listening. Um, maybe a little fire in their heart, you know? Amen. So go ahead. Father, we come to you right now in the precious name of Jesus. And Lord, we, we, we praise you for the kind of God that you are. 
that you're not just way out there somewhere having set this whole thing in motion and then leaving us to do the best that we can. Thank you that the very same power, the very same love, the, the love that caused Jesus Christ to go to the cross has not diminished since he hung on that cross. And the power that was on display when he was raised from the dead, not only in spite of the stone, not only in spite of the Roman army, but in spite of all the legions of hell that were trying to keep him in that tomb. Thank you that the same power that raised him from the dead is available to operate in us and through us in our lives. And so, Father, we just I pray for people out there today that, that are hurting, those who are dealing with sickness and disease, those who are dealing with financial issues, those who are dealing with relational issues. I just pray, Lord, your blessing on them. I pray, Spirit of God, that you will turn their eyes away from their circumstances. Only you can do that. And, and focus their eyes upon you and upon the truth of your love and, and your provision. And enable them, Lord, by your Spirit to trust you. And in that process, I pray, Lord, you'll give to them that incredible gift that in your word you call the peace that passes understanding. Has nothing to do with circumstances. It's your sovereign, supernatural gift. And so we pray your peace and your blessing upon your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in today. You've been listening to the Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I've been sitting down in a studio talking to Pastor Richard Love. Pastor Richard, thank you very much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed being with you. I have enjoyed this very much thank you guys thanks for tuning in don't forget to check out our website at uh, www.themillenniumbeat.com for more podcasts like this any questions comments please leave them in the description below and um, i'll respond to them so again thanks for coming and we'll talk to you guys next week thanks for tuning in today to the millennium beat podcast i hope you heard something that was encouraging to you we'd like to hear from you with your story so write us at stories at themillenniumbeat.com or give us a call at 407-624-9957 and leave us a voicemail. You may also find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we have a YouTube channel. Please like us and share us with your friends. You may also go to our website at themillenniumbeat.com and you'll find our podcast and our YouTube video. You also may find a calendar there with past and future guests and dates and times. Plus, another way for you to contact us with your stories or questions. This has been a Millennium Beat LLC production, copyright 2020. Views and opinions of the guests are not always the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat LLC. You've been listening to the Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I'm going to give you a little snippet of a show called Family Matters with your host, Paul Kendall. If you want to hear more shows like that, go to KindleFamilyNetwork.com. Once again, I'd like to thank Paul Kindle for the use of his show. Welcome to Family Matters, a daily look inside the real world of parents and their children. I'm your host, Paul Kendall. Money is a very touchy subject for most people even when it concerns husbands and wives. Many marriages lack financial unity. 
96% of all Americans will retire dependent on the government, family, or charity. Now, no married couple would ever plan their retirement that way. But unless they agree to financial unity, it very well may be their plight. Psalms 133.1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That goes for husbands and wives as well. In our first year of marriage, my wife and I lived in a two-story house but couldn't afford a phone. Now, I worked for a company that sold an early version of the car telephone, and my car was equipped with a demonstration model that would blow the horn when a call came in. Laying in our upstairs bedroom, we would hear the horn blow, run down two flights of stairs, unlock the door, answer the phone, and try and hide the fact that we were completely out of breath from running so fast. Then one day, I heard an ad for a timeshare resort stating that if you would simply take a tour, they would give you a free phone. I said, this is great, honey. We can save money and get us a free phone. But my wife didn't want to go. She wasn't feeling well, and we were definitely not in unity on this one. Well, I kept after her until she agreed to go if I promised to get her out of there in no less than two hours. On our tour, not wanting to look like we were just out to get a free phone, I whispered to the salesman that I was totally in favor of buying if we can just convince my wife. One hour led to two and then three. Finally, sitting in the closing room with my wife kicking me under the table, the salesman said, you know, with $800 down, we can finance this deal. And my wife said, oh, really? Well, I'd go for that. Well, I burst out laughing, and the guy thought I was happy. I said, you've got to excuse us for a minute. Now to the hall we went. Have you lost your mind, I asked. I told you to get me out of here, she said. Now take me home. Well, I did my best to explain to the salesman that we were not in financial unity and asked for our free phone. No, he said, realizing our plan, you can't have a phone. I learned that day that financial unity was more valuable than a house telephone. I also learned that when my wife says two hours, she really means two hours. That's Family Matters. I'm Paul Kendall. For more Family Matters and a free copy of our budget guide,